0: This is the podcast for Ruf at the University of Texas, a community for students to experience God's grace and express God's grace to others. For more information, visit www.ruf.org/ut or find us on Instagram at Texasruf. Hey, y'all! I'm Madison. I'm a freshman, and tonight I'm going to be reading 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Thanks, Madison, and y'all thanks for being here. My name is John Trapp. I'm the campus minister for RUF, and I appreciate y'all joining us tonight. I know that Zoom is no one's favorite. It's certainly not mine, but Um, it's just good to be with y'all however we can, uh, just so you know, at least a little bit of our plan moving forward, we're hopeful that we're only going to do two weeks of zoom large group, this being one. And then next week, um, with UT asking everyone to be virtual right now. Um, but our hope is that as we move into February, that we'll go back at first into watch pods and tape RUF and then broadcast it on YouTube where y'all can watch it together in groups. And our hope after that is that eventually we'll be able to start phasing in watch pods and and like people can come and watch us actually record it. And like we can be do larger in person. Um, Maybe not not with everyone at first, probably not with everyone at first, but um, given the amount of capacity we can have in our room, we want to be, we want to be in person however we can. um, And as soon as we can. So know that that's something that we want just as much as y'all do. Um, So, Also, I have a black eye, in case you guys didn't notice. Got it from disc golf, playing a disc golf round, got stuck in the eye with the tree, in case you were wondering. Um, But we're not here to talk about my black eye. We are here to look at God's word. And um, a lot of y'all know this is probably my last semester with RUF. I'm actually preaching on Sunday at uh, Christ the King Presbyterian in Houston. And then the week after I preach, they're going to vote on whether or not they want me to be their senior pastor. So if you, if you don't want me to, to leave, maybe pray that I bomb Owen Trapp was like what happens if you preach a really bad sermon? I was like, well, I don't know. We could find out, <laughs> or you could just like come heckle me from the crowd on Sunday if you want to do that, I guess. But, um, we, we've been encouraged by that process, but also, um, Really thankful for, for y'all and your support and sad that this is my last semester, most likely. So um I was thinking about what do I want to talk to y'all about this last semester with you. And um, I kept as I was processing that, I was thinking about like, what do I want them to know? And what I want for y'all more than anything is that you would follow Jesus for the rest of your life. And I don't know where y'all are on that journey. I know that if it's like any other large group, there's people kind of all over the map in regards to either not following Jesus yet, not wanting to follow him, not sure if they are uh, or desiring to and trying to figure out how to make that happen. So um, what we're going to do is look at our, this this semester, we're, we're we're looking at the fundamentals of the faith, following Jesus in the fundamentals of the faith. Um, and while, while we're doing that is uh, it it makes me think of Jack Nicklaus, uh, his book, Golf My Way. Jack Nicholas is probably the best golfer ever. Tiger apologists would probably argue with me on that, but um, he's one of the most majors at least. And every season uh, in his off season, he would go back to Florida where he would meet with his golf coach. And this is after he's won tons of championships, tons of titles. And the first day he would arrive at the golf course, he says in his book, he would get with his coach and his first question would be teach me how to stand. And his next question to his coach was teach me how to hold a club. And his next question was teach me how to swing, teach me how to hold my finish. Nicholas knew that he never graduated from the fundamentals. It's actually what made him great. And the reality for any Christian is that we never graduate from the fundamentals. And so I, what I want to look with you guys this semester is what are the fundamentals of following Jesus? What does that look like? How do we do it? What's the, what's God given us for doing that? Or like, do you want to do that? Um, And the place that we're going to start for the next couple of weeks is the Bible. We have to have the Bible or scripture, as we like to call it, the old Testament and the new Testament. If we're going to follow Jesus And so tonight I want to look at this passage that Madison read for us and consider um, two things about scripture as we think about its authority in our life. First, I want to look at why we need the scripture and second, what scripture does, why we need scripture, what scripture does. Let me pray and then we'll talk some more about this. Father, thanks so much for these students. Um, I'm just humbled that there would be people on this Zoom call um, after they've endured so many for the last year. Lord, we pray that uh, that you would bring an end to this pandemic soon and that you would bring an end to Zoom calls that we can be face to face soon. Um, but we pray now that in this uh, format that you've graciously given to us, that you would help us to see who you are and uh, the hope that you offer to us in your word. And we pray and ask all this in Jesus name. Amen. So um, my friend, uh, whose name is Ann, she had a buddy come visit her in texas Uh, her friend Ann's friend was from california and had never been to texas before and her her friend was in town for a business meeting with some high-level clients and she was really excited about it and so uh the clients set up the meeting at this tex-mex restaurant and her her buddy was from northern california and had never been to like a kind of authentic tex-mex restaurant and she's in houston texas she's so excited about going and Anne's plan was to meet up with her friend after they uh, after she'd had this meeting. And so Anne picks her up from the restaurant and her buddy gets in the car and she's like, so how did it go? And she's like, it went really well. It was um, I never had food like that before. And I was like, "Okay, cool. Like, what did you like? And She's like, well, they brought out this cheese soup and put it right in front of me. And it was so rich and delicious, but I kind of felt Terrible after eating it. Um, but it was it was good. And he was like, Hold up, cheese soup. Like, did it w- what do you mean? She's like, Well, it was just like this orange melted bowl of cheese and they had a spoon in it. And so, <laughs> it was like, did they bring chips out with it? And she was like, Yeah, they did. Um, but I didn't eat the chips, all the other people ate chips. And she was like, you were eating queso by the spoonful. And her friend's like, what's queso? And Anna had to explain to her uh, what she had just done to her body. Um, I, that story has never failed to crack me up as I imagined like this sweet lady, like just sitting there talking to these clients, like shoveling queso down her throat. Oh man, it just gets me. Um, but here's the thing, she... She did not know the purpose of that dish. The maker of the dish, the chef, knew how that dish was best enjoyed, and it was with chips. That's why he served it with with his queso. Uh, And in the same way, the author of life, the one who has made life, knows how life works best. Just like a chef knows how their dish is best enjoyed. The maker of that dish knows how that dish is best enjoyed. The maker of life, the author of life, knows how life works best. And so this is why we need scripture. We need the author of life to speak to us about how life works best. That's what the Bible is. It's the author of life giving us his insight into how the world works. now, the question of authority is a huge question, whether you're a Christian or not, because you have to ascribe authority to something in your life. It's like Bob Dylan says in one of his songs, you have to serve someone. And all of us are, are left with that uh, with that decision. Um, the word authority, it comes from the Latin word actor, which um, you can check my pronunciation on that, sorry. But it means uh, one who brings about or who creates something. Um, and so you can hear um, the word author in authority. And so something with authority in your life is something that's going to create or bring something about in your life. It's going to author your life. Whatever you give authority to is going to have a major impact in authoring or writing the story of your life. I was listening uh, to one of our alumni talk just yesterday about how uh, she's working for Microsoft now. And she was talking about how, the reason that she went into computer science was because of this authority figure that she had in her life. She had this really awesome computer science teacher who saw ability in her and, and encouraged her to go into that field and to think about how she could um, kind of bridge business and computer science. And so she did management, management information systems at UT. And but while she was talking about, it, she kept circling back to like, he really, I wouldn't be here if it hadn't been for him. And that's, that's, why authority figures are so important. They, in a lot of ways, chart our lives. His, his words to her had, had kind of been a huge part of writing her story. This is why some of our deepest wounds that, that we have are from bad authority figures. Um, some of the words that most stick with us, words about our abilities or our bodies or our social standing. Or even, or even wounds from silence from authority figures, never hearing um, affirming words from your parents. Um, these authority figures have such an impact. And I, and I see it in, in pastoral ministry talking to people about their lives and their wounds. They're oftentimes from bad authority figures who are still, um, their words are still writing um, the pages of someone's story. So, the question for you, the question for all of us is who's going to author your life? Who is the authority of your life? Now, the solution that modernity has given us, that the modern world is, offers to you and to me, is that the, the best person for authoring your life is you. That's why we have phrases like you do you, right? Um, or lots of Disney princess songs are about kind of you figuring out yourself and doing what you want to do. Uh, I I was thinking about this when I was watching Moana with our girls not too long ago. And Moana, this whole song, it's kind of like her hallmark song and she's talking about this voice that's inside of her that she has to listen to. And then her, like the climax of the song, she says, come what may, I know the way I am. Moana. Anyway, That's what she does. She says, I know the way. It's up to me. I'm going to write my own story, chart my own course. I'm my own authority. It's why a New York Times bestselling book that's been on the charts for over 40 weeks now, it says, here's here's one of the things it says, to be brave is to forsake all others to be true to yourself. This is from a self-help book. It's on the New York Times bestseller. To be brave is to forsake all others to be true to yourself. You are your own author. You are the person who knows what's best for you. Here's the problem with that. The problem is um, we actually aren't in control of very much in our lives. I mean, the fact that we're doing a Zoom call right now, not in person is evidence of that enough, is it not? But not only that, but the think of the anxiety that we experience and the fear that we experience. and it's it's not because we're not um we're not being true to ourselves enough and brave enough to be true to ourselves. It's oftentimes because we're we're out of control. um We're not able to to control all the things that we wish that we could, whether it's our grades or how we look or uh, what people think of us. We're not in control of those things ultimately. So, one of my seminary professors says this, I think there's there's a lot of wisdom in this. He said, The secret of freedom from anxiety is freedom from ourselves. Did you hear that? It's freedom from ourselves, not not you writing your own story. He says, The the secret of freedom from anxiety is freedom from, from ourselves and abandonment of our own plans. But that spirit emerges in our lives only when our minds are filled with the knowledge that our father can be trusted implicitly to supply everything we need. See, that's that's what the story, the author of the Bible holds out to us, that your hope is not in you being your own authority and figuring out on your, on your own. Your hope is being part of the author of life's story, who knows how life works best. But the question then is, like, why trust him? Why trust him? And I, I would submit to you the reason that you trust him is because, second point, last point, is a two-point sermon. We're breaking records here. Um, my second last point, the reason that you trust him is because of what scripture does. Um, I was talking to my buddy, and he's a big Lord of the Rings nerd, um, much Lord of the Rings nerdier than I am, although I do appreciate the movies mostly i read the books a long time ago but i don't really remember it but one thing i do remember about the book is this very strange figure in the fellowship of the ring named tom bombadil he's not in the movies i think he was probably too bizarre for the movies he's just kind of this like whimsical guy who trots about the forest but he's crazy powerful he's the only person who's not really tempted by the ring he can see frodo when frodo's wearing the ring and a lot of tolkien scholars my friend was telling me um they've wondered, like, is, and they asked, they actually asked Tolkien when he was still living, uh, is Tom Bombadil the most, the most powerful person in Middle Earth in the, in the stories? And he says, no, because Tom Bombadil, uh, he, he, he didn't, he, he wanted it to remain mysterious. Um, but he said, Tom Bombadil is, uh, is not mastered by the things of Middle Earth. Um, and many scholars, most scholars believe it's because Tolkien um, wrote himself into the story. In other words, Tom Bombadil was Tolkien. The reason that Tom Bombadil could see Frodo when Frodo had the ring on is because Tom Bombadil stood outside of the story. Uh, he, He was the author of the story, but he was the author of the story who had stepped into the story to help Frodo along his way, which is what he does in the book. And the reason I would submit to you That if you don't trust in the Lord yet, if you don't trust Jesus with your life yet, the reason that you should at least consider it is because, and this is, um, this is so different from any other, any other religion, but Christianity submits to you that the author of the story has stepped into the story. Think about that. The one who started this whole thing, who's authored this story, he has stepped into creation. Colossians 1:15 through 16 puts it this way. He is the Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Jesus made everything. And then he stepped into the story. And the reason that he stepped into the story is because of what Madison read in verse 15 so that the scriptures could make us wise for salvation through faith in christ jesus he stepped jesus stepped into the story he was so committed to saving us to saving people like me who wanders away from god who is rebellious towards god who would um who would destroy ourselves if left to our own authority jesus became a man and submitted to the authority of his father and he went to the cross for rebels for enemies, for people who hated him. He went to the cross and died and bled so that they might be saved. And scripture tells this story. This is the story that scripture is telling us. And so what this means then is the reason that God, the reason that God has given us the scriptures is fundamentally so that we might be saved, but also so, so that we might know how we can be saved. Verse 16, when, um, when, when it says, it says, the scriptures are given, or they're God-breathed, they're given to us for teaching and reproof. These, these two words, teaching and reproof, are both, they're talking about how scripture reveals what kind of Christian teaching is good and what kind of Christian teaching is wrong, because those both exist. There's bad Christian teaching. And the way that you know that is by looking at the scriptures. The scriptures prevent us from manipulating God. Uh, I want... I want your spidey sense to go off when somebody starts a sentence with, I feel like God blank because the problem with, um, with trying to define God by our feelings is that our feelings are quite fickle and they're not very objective, but scripture gives us the ability not to have to trust our feelings about who God is, but to, but to listen to the author of, of life, tell us who he is. It's why when someone says, like, God told me to break up with you, you should maybe ask, like, where in the Bible does it say that? <laughs> or you could say, like, actually, God talked to me, too, and he told me that you shouldn't break up with me. I mean, like, if we're going on feelings of, like, God told me this or that, there's that is totally, totally subjective. And there are reasons maybe sometimes that um, God would have you to break up with someone, but you can find those reasons in the Bible. Um, so. The Bible tells us um, who God is. It gives us teaching and reproof about good teaching about God, but it also tells us how Christians, um, those who have put their faith, who've received this grace from the Lord are then to act in response. Um, again, it says the scriptures are for correction and training and righteousness. And these two words have to do with our behavior. Now it reveals that God, um, the kind of behavior that God lovingly wants us to do or not to do. And it's not because he's a jerk. It's because he actually loves us. Um, and that means that there is behavior that Christians could claim. This is what we're supposed to be doing, but we're given the scriptures to know whether or not that's true. And there's been a lot of people who've been really angry in our country lately, lately, who say that they're Christians and My question to them and my encouragement to them would be to to consider Is your behavior guided by the scriptures? The scriptures that tell us to do things like love our enemy and to pray for our enemy. Because the reality is, if God is the author of life, then the the best thing that you can do is to give him authority because he knows how life works best. Regarding our hopes, our bodies, our goals, our sex lives, our friendships, our jobs, our civic engagement, our conception of justice, our understanding of what it means to be human. God speaks to all these things in his word. And so what I would hold out to you all is if you're looking to grow as a Christian or to consider the faith this semester, submit yourself to the authority of the scriptures or consider doing it. Sinclair Ferguson says, spiritual growth depends on two things. First, a willingness to live according to the word of God. And second, a willingness to take whatever consequences emerge as a result. I'll read that one more time. Spiritual growth depends on two things. First, a willingness to live according to the word of God. Second, a willingness to take whatever consequences emerge as a result. What if God actually knows what's best for us, not our feelings, not what's comfortable, but he, those things don't guide us, but he is able to guide us because he loves us. His word tells us that we need his grace and he holds out salvation to anyone who comes to him. And because he loves us so much, he's spoken to us about how to live in response to his grace. The author of life has given us the Bible so that we can know how life works best. So try it. You'll find joy. You'll find joy following your good father, the author of all things. Let me pray for us. Lord, we ask that that you would help us to take your word seriously. Forgive me, forgive us for the times that um, that we trust ourselves instead of you, that we think that we know it's best. Please humble us. Um, And please reveal to us more and more what it means to take delight in your word. And we thank you for the gift that it is to us. And we thank you for the salvation that it holds out to us. And we pray all these things in Jesus name. Amen.